There we go. All right. So uh, welcome, everybody. Good morning. And thank you for tuning in to day three of TBRCon 2021. Again, my name is David Walters, and I run the book review blog, fanfightaddict.com. Uh, for our first panel of the day, we're going to talk thrills that pay the bills. But before we get into that discussion, I want to let my panelists quickly introduce themselves. So Josh, if you want to start. Hi, I am Josh Mallory, and um, I'm the author of Bird Box and Mallory and Unburied Carol and and a bunch more. I'm also um, one of two singers, singer-songwriters in a band called The High Strung. We're um, from Detroit, and that's where I am right now, right outside of Detroit. And uh, I'm excited to be here. All right, Hank. Hey, um, Hank Early. Um, I'm in Alabama, and I write the uh, Earl Marcus series, um, uh, published by Crooked Lane. And then I've also written a few books under my real name, uh, John Mantooth. And um, I'll talk about, maybe talk about those more as well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. John? Hi, my name's John Mars. I am in Northampton, which uh, nobody knows in America where on earth that is. So it's about <laughs> an hour north of London. Um, I've, my, I guess the book I'm most known for uh, is The One. Uh, which generally comes to Netflix, I think, in a couple of months. Um, and yeah, I've written eight books and I've just started my ninth, which is not two out until next year. Wow, awesome. Bracken? Hi, I'm, I'm Bracken McLeod. I'm the author of a, of a few books, uh, Stranded um, being the last, uh, the last big one from Tor, and uh, a book called 13 Views of the Suicide Woods, uh, which is a collection of short stories, comes to us, that sort of thing. I've got a new one coming out from, uh, from Houghton Mifflin uh, in July. Awesome. And I'm, oh, and I'm <laughs> outside of Boston. Awesome. Hello, I'm Emily Carpenter. I am in um, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I am the author of five books, including my most recent one, uh, Reviving the Hawthorne Sisters. Fantastic. And uh, and we'll talk a little bit about CJ Tudor here a little bit later. She wasn't able to join today just with some personal stuff. So uh, we, we wish her well, but uh, I'll talk about her books a little bit later in the chat. Um, and also, uh, as with every other day, um, while this is a free convention, uh, we do have three amazing charities we're raising donations for. Uh, Shelter, No Kid Hungry, and World Wildlife Fund. There are links provided below, and you can also go to fanfiatic.com and click on the TBRCon21 link at the top of the page. Uh, and any and all donations that you guys uh, want to provide will be fantastic. So, uh, but since all of y'all write completely different novels, I'm sure we're going to have some very interesting answers to some of these discussion questions. Uh, but first off, just a general discussion. Um, why thrillers and or horror, um, you know, sometimes they kind of go hand in hand, but, you know, why not something sweet like, you know, children's books or a nice space opera <laughs> or fantasy or literary, you know, why, why thriller? What, what really got you in a thriller? And, uh, and, and Bracken actually want to start with you. Oh, all right. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I think of myself as a, as an accidental thriller writer. Cause when I started, I wanted to write, um, literary novels. And, and so the very first book I ever wrote was this, um, sort of literary coming of age novel, and it and it ended up being such a a giant mess. Uh, you know, it's 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 a trunk novel for sure, and and I decided that 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 one was such a slog, I would try something different, and so I went in a completely different direction, did the opposite of what I had done. It was sort of the George Costanza model of of publishing: do the opposite of what all of my instincts are. <laughs> 
right? And and write the book. And it turned out to be uh, my first novel, Mountain Home, which uh, which was really well received. And it's a it's a siege thriller set in a diner, and and uh, and that kind of launched me into that into that thing. I've always loved reading thrillers, and and uh, I just wasn't I didn't know that I could do it until you know until I decided to uh, to try something different. Yeah, Jim. Hank. Yeah, um, I'll sort of echo what Bracken said in terms of I don't think I really set out to be a thriller writer. Um, for me, I've just always been interested in in dark stuff. Um, uh, so that's everything I've ever written from the time I started writing short stories has been has been sort of on the dark side. And, and uh, I love horror. I love crime. Um, so they ended up a lot of times people classify my stuff as thrillers. Um, but as far as... Um, you know, the, the typical kind of thriller plot, uh, that's probably, that's probably not where my books, uh, go. They're, they're probably a more atypical, uh, in terms of like the, uh, the plotted out thrillers or well plotted out thrillers. So. Yeah. John. A few people have asked me this over the years. I don't know why. I just think, um, it's just, I just, I like reading thrillers. I kind of, I love a psychological thriller. I like trying to guess the ending. I, I get really peed off with myself if I do guess the ending, but I'm also really unhappy if I don't guess the ending. So mm -hmm. but, um, I just, I think that it's just an interesting genre. And like Hank said, you could get really dark with them. Um, my friends used to, used to kind of take the mickey out of me. Um, and all the films that I used to like, even as a kid, they always had miserable endings. There was nothing in there that was ever particularly happy. Um, so I just think at heart, I'm just a really miserable dark soul. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Emily? Um, yeah, I think part, partly for me, the biggest influence was growing up in the South and um, reading like Southern Gothic. Um, and, and so those kind of elements of Southern Gothic, which are, they can be mysterious and they can have a little romance and they're definitely very dark. And um, I think all of that has kind of influenced what I do. I gotcha. Josh? You know, it's, it's funny, John, when you say you're a miserable dark soul, it, you know, my experience of hanging out with thriller, crime and horror writers is that they're always the nicest sort yeah. of you know, most well-adjusted people that I, that mm -hmm. I run around with, uh, you know, in my former lawyer, I couldn't stand to be around any of these miserable malcontents, but writers, especially <laughs> our writers all day, all, I can spend all day with you guys. <laughs> yeah. well, I think it's interesting what Bracken was saying, how, because I'm hearing that a lot in our generation of writers, the wanting to like setting out to do something literary and ending up more genre. And I don't know if that's, genre has moved closer to us or we all moved closer to genre and i see it like all the time when i started i was trying to write i would say horror novels but i was at the time like running through all the classics like Hemingway, fitzgerald virginia wolf um uh faulkner you know just you know remember at barnes and noble when there was the shelf of like classics right mm -hmm. right and they each had their own barnes and noble cover right well that led me to dracula Right, so I'm going through like all like the classics, and I get to Dracula, and I and I had like been reared on horror, but it, I had not I'd taken a couple years away from it, and so I read Dracula, and I was like, oh shit, man, this is like, I forgot you can do both, you can have literary and genre. Like I didn't even I was like young then, 21 or something, 22, <coughs> but it was like a revelation for me. So Dracula really did something for me, but what I'm wondering now is like. 
is there something about the thriller that's between extreme genre and literary? Because I, when I finally wrote my first book, I did it by trying to write two at once, all right? Because I, I, I kept failing at writing a novel and all I mean by failing is not finishing. That doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I just didn't finish like four of them. So I was like, I'm gonna write two. Because if I stop or, you know, if I get tripped up in this one, I'm gonna turn to this one. When I get a tripped up in this one, I'm gonna go back to this one, right? I made it like four pages into the lofty literary, it was about an artist and, and he like rears this, you know, whatever, coaches this, this younger dude into like living free, all this shit. And then the other book was just like a psychosexual horror romp in the woods with this crazy witch. I made it like four pages into the lofty one. And I was like, ah, shit, bud, I got a book to turn to now. So I, I turned to the other one and tore through it. Just exploded. Like 28 days, 28 days later, I had, I had like a novel done, which actually is right here, which is really bizarre. My brother made me, he printed up a little copy of it for me when I finished it. The real words and everything. <laughs> and so I wonder, I had a similar thing to Bracken, or at least all the elements were in the same, were in the room also. All the same elements were in the room. And I've heard recently other um, horror authors. And then if you think about like Stephen Graham Jones, and you think about like all of us, like modern, this modern era, there is like a genre and literary bent. And it somehow is resulting in sort of like, not a new genre, but elasticity in genre. Yeah, no, I, th I think there's a lot of there's a lot of middle ground here because, yeah, Stephen Graham Jones, you mentioned Paul Tremblay, John Langan, all writing, um, you know, Livia Llewellyn, all writing really literary genre. Yes. But then well-known literary writers are also writing in genre, like Cormac McCarthy's The Road is a dystopian sci-fi novel, and Margaret <laughs> Atwood loves science fiction and dystopia. And so, you know, I don't think that that these things necessarily need to be granulated separate things, right? There's so much ability to, to play in both sandboxes at once. And, and I think it's very exciting when you realize that, you know, because I mean, you know, when I was 22, 24 trying to write, like I, I probably, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, a, a literary book wouldn't have a monster, you know? <laughs> it's like, wait, hold on, dude, hold on. You can do anything you want. <laughs> and the moment you realize that, ah, oh, you know, it's like the chains are off, man. <laughs> yeah, the way the way you write is kind of the way I read. If I uh, if if I'm reading a book and it, maybe it's just not quite working for me, I move on to the next one. And then I go, okay, I'm going to give it another shot. And then I go back, and that that's probably what happens. You know, why I end up getting to like four or five books at a time because I just kind of not that I get tired of one, but I'm like, gosh, I really enjoy reading horror right now, but you know, a thriller sounds great, or yeah. maybe I can get back into an epic fantasy for a few minutes, but. It's usually like I've got one hardcover, one Kindle, and one audiobook going at the same time. <laughs> it's different mediums. Yeah. Um, so uh, as as far as that goes, so this one may be geared toward uh, you know a couple of you, maybe not all of you, but uh, you know thrillers typically some some are straightforward, you know, some are from one point of view, but uh, like John's, they're from multiple. Uh, how do you keep those points of view synchronized, you know, is it, you've got to write them all separately. Do you write them in order? Uh, you know, is it like writing multiple novellas and then just kind of somehow, you know, splashing them together? You know, what's kind of the ticket to that? Now, and John, I, I want you to start. 
I just don't sleep. I just have all these things going through my head all the time. I'm constantly picking up my phone, so I'm trying to get to sleep, typing in notes as I remember them. Um, I, I don't. I can't write a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. I kind of go here, there, everywhere. If I wake up one mood, one day I'm in one mood for one character. I'll write from their perspective. Um, and the next day might be someone totally different. I might start with the end of their story, the beginning, middle, whatever way I feel like, really. I think if I wrote consecutively, I'd just get really bored. Um, I cut the thought of sitting down and writing a book, you know, with multiple characters from start to finish scares the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> just like knowing that I've got about 100,000 words of this. <laughs> That's so funny because just listening to you talk about bouncing all over the place, I'm like getting heart palpitations. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I'm a completely linear person, and it's right. like when I write a book, I'm telling myself the story. So I'm right. always saying, like, yeah. What do I, like I would like to see happen next? And mm -hmm. so I'm like very, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> that's amazing that you do that. I've only just started um, trying to plot books out more. I'm, most of the time I have a rough idea of where they're going. I'll just get started and just see what happens. Um, and that, but I've been, the last couple of books I've started to plot more. And I've, I've found it kind of quite productive. I've enjoyed that more. I'm guessing <laughs> you're a plotter, Emily. Oh, I'm sorry? guessing you're a plotter oh yeah i'm a plotter but i, I don't go into huge detail um i actually just use like a screenplay diagram with the turning points and the midpoints and the three acts just so i know that like have a book um but that's it <laughs> yeah, i just always have to go in order or, yeah. I, I can't imagine like jumping ahead and writing. That's smart. That's really smart. I like how you just said that, just to be sure that I have a book. Like, <laughs> there have been so many times where I'm like, all right, we're, uh oh. <laughs> like, uh oh, like there's no ground beneath me anymore. Exactly, because a hook or an idea is not always a book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. No, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm the psychopath that works from uh, a long synopsis. So the book I'm writing right now, uh, you know, I'm planning on it being around 100,000 words. And so I've got like a 20 page synopsis of every single beat in the book, um, you know, because the interesting part of the discovery part of discovery writing for me is how people react to the problems they're facing, you know, emotional states. And if I'm and if I'm trying to um, discover action, I'm not paying attention to emotion. So I got to uh, I got to have the whole roadmap, you know where we're going, you know, it's like, it's like the Griswold family vacation. Like we're going to hit, we're going to hit Wally world on this day. And then we're going to go here. And then, and any setback, you know, is not in the, in the plan. Yeah. I have to, I have to sort of find the sweet spot because I've tried both ways and I've really, really worked hard to try to do an outline and to attempt that. But those have almost that every manuscript I've ever written like that has failed. And um, the manuscripts that I've written completely the other way would just I just went have failed, too. So I've got to be somewhere in the middle, maybe like what Emily said, although not that organized. I'm not talking about midpoints and obviously have need to see the beginning and I need to see where it's going, like uh, like sort of a final image or scene in my head. And then I can enjoy filling in the blanks because I, if I don't enjoy what I'm doing, and I don't enjoy writing from an outline at all. Then it's it's going to fail because I'm going to I'm going to get frustrated. It, it kind of an outline can feel, especially to like a lo-fi maverick. An outline can feel 
like a really skinny book. So I'm like, I'll write the outline. And then I'm like, well, I'm done with that book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's write the next one. <laughs> See, I use it like a, like a stick and a carrot. Uh, you know, because, you know, all the connective tissue, all the sinew in the book is like, oh, well, they go here and they and they talk to this person. They find out this and, and we're developing character. But the really exciting thing that I want to write is, the you know, is the chase or the fight or the escape. And so the those those scenes are the carrot at the end of the stick. Write this boring scene, make it not boring yep. enough so that the reader sticks with it. And then you'll get to write the, the really fun stuff when you finish that work. Um. Another interesting thing about that is is uh, that like oftentimes what you thought was the boring scene is everyone's favorite. Like you know, like Allison's favorite was this one moment these two had in a grocery store, and I'm like, that's the scene you love? That's the giant centerpiece that I worked up to for three months. <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine the arguments you have in your house. <laughs> It's like yesterday, uh, one of the guys was on a panel with Graham Austin King. His uh, his fiance is uh, partly edits his stuff, and so he said something about editors, and all you heard was her in the background. Uh, but um, so, uh, question from uh, from the viewers. So uh, Holly asks, um, what has been the most eye opening things you found when researching for thriller writing? You know, it's it's funny because. Um, I wrote a book called Stranded, which is set on a uh, on a uh, a commercial uh, oil industry ship heading to uh, a drilling a drilling platform, and um, and I sold and, and when I started this book, I thought it's a great idea. That's going to be a lot of fun, and then I realized I don't know a single thing about maritime shipping, being on boats. I can't even swim, right? And so I had to do a ton of research. Um, to to make that book work and feel and feel good and so the one that I followed it up with which is the one that's coming out next year um, it, it was so much work to write stranded that I decided I was going to do something completely different and again the George Costanza method and uh, and so I set it in my own basement it's a home invasion novel it's set in my own basement with me and my and my wife as as sort of models for the characters oh man and and what I discovered was that I'd rather do research because that book felt felt so dark and so personal that it was just a, a horrendous thing to write like every day I just came out of my office feeling like oh man do I ever need a drink like that was <laughs> that was rough so it's it's funny because you know when you're doing research um, you can discover really cool things, but it's it's uh, for me it's kind of like the um, the research kind of gets in the way sometimes. Like I can do it forever. I could just research forever and ever and ever and never write a thing. But so you can sit there on Wikipedia and never get any writing done. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you just fall in so many rabbit holes. Yeah, <laughs> Rack, like, that uh, sounds awesome, man. I can't wait to read that book. Oh, I, I'm I'm excited for it. I think it's it's a lot of fun. It was hard to it was hard to write. But you know it, what they don't tell you before you you know before you're published is that you're going to read your own books like a billion times because the editor is going to send you their notes and then the line editor and then you know and then we've got first pages. So I've read this book about ten times now. Um, I'm absolutely sick of it, but I love it. <laughs> I'm, starting, I'm starting to count that for like my total reads for the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I to read, read Mallory four times, that's four books, dude. Sorry. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. 
But I say, if, if I can sit there and count 20 page board books with my daughter, then you can count reading your same book. <laughs> so, when I was uh, researching uh, for my first uh, Earl Marcus book, uh, Heaven's Crooked Finger, I, I wanted something for uh, the, so the book deals sort of with a, a religious cult, and I wanted something to sort of mark the characters that were involved with the cult or had, had suffered from this cult, but I didn't want tattoos exactly. I wanted something like tattoos. And so I, I ended up Googling around and, and, and I came across lightning flowers. Do you guys know what these are? Uh, they're basically like uh, when, when someone's struck by lightning, sometimes they'll have these formations uh, on their skin that sort of look like branching trees or flowers or plants wow. almost, uh, almost looks like uh, actual, uh, lightning on their skin, like forks of lightning. And so I ended up using that and sort of making that a, a large part of the book. Um, but uh, that was just sort of an example of something that uh, that worked out well for me in research. Because um, I think that's really cool. The, uh, it, it worked so well they integrated it into your cover. Yeah, true. Yeah, the, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the lightning became a huge part of the part of the book. But uh, Google that sometime, lightning flowers, and look at the images. They're, they're, they're really cool. Interesting. Anybody else about research? I, I've grown to really hate researching. So I kind of farm <laughs> it to my, to my husband does it now. So, and he, does, he works for a bank, uh, like in data privacy. So he has nothing to do with books whatsoever. Researching <laughs> stuff. And it's fantastic. It's just like, we'll come back with reams of notes. I mean, I'll just condense this to a couple of paragraphs. I've got a really short attention span. And they'll be like, dum, 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 dum. Okay, I'm going to use that. And then I'll find out a little bit more about it. I think it's just because I've spent so much time researching things in the past that you just end up down these internet rabbit holes. And before you know it, you know, you, an entire day has gone. And there's, there's one thing that did come out really useful. It's really horrible, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Um, about something called coffin birth, which I'd never heard of before. But it's whereby um, uh, if a pregnant woman, not not all the time, it's probably quite rare, but if a pregnant woman is murdered, which is what happened in my phone, one of my books, The One, um, her body eventually expelled the baby after her death due to the natural breaking down of everything. Yeah. And stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I ended up using that, and it became, became a massive turning point for my character in this book. Not the one that died, because obviously that'd be quite a turning point, but um, the, uh, the, the one who's actually responsible for her death. So that's where my research goes. That's a dark. Wow. It's horrifying. the author of Bird Box Flip. That is a quote on a book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Achievement unlock. <laughs> yeah, that is horrifying. Oh. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know yeah. more uplifting research going. So. I think it was. I think it was the word expels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, some more. There's some words that just kind of make you shake a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Golly. <laughs> Yeah, so for my second book, um, I was writing about this woman who was um, a sort of wildly best-selling international horror writer from the 70s. Um, she had this one book that was like, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting dings on my <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I heard dings and then a cat meow. I was very confused. 
<laughs> so, um, but anyway, so she's like this one-hit wonder. She had this amazingly iconic whole um, novel in the '70s, and she became wildly famous and um, from this one book. So, for research, I read like all the horror novels from the '60s and the '70s to kind of get that sort of feel of the. Um, kind of the Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, Carrie, all those I read or and reread in some cases in a week. And it was like, oh my gosh, like um, uncovering this, this whole genre that seems to have kind of disappeared a little bit. Um, so that was really cool. I loved discovering that. Hmm. What's the name of that book of yours? Um, the Weight of Lies. The weight of life. That sounds great. Yeah, it was fun. What about you, Josh? Do you have any interesting research stories? I mean, <laughs> follow up, John's. Kind of like no, not that good. But kind of like what John said. Like Allison does. Um, I my head just doesn't work that way, man. And I'll even she'll even be like, um, whatever, whatever happened to the book about like the brain surgeon? I'm like, yeah, well, he's a writer now. Josh, come on, you can, <laughs> you're not, you're not, like, or you can like learn a few words. I'm like, nah, no, I didn't, I didn't feel like researching that. <laughs> he's in a band now. <laughs> but Allison helps me. She helps with Black Man Wheel a lot, and my mom actually helped me with Bird Box a lot. I would call her and ask her about pregnancy and stuff. So as silly as that sounds right now, but it's true. And then a lot of people, you know, after the book came out, they're like, a lot of people were like, how did you know so much? And I'm like, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know, my mom. <laughs> I, I researched like a lot. <laughs> I got pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Just <took it> on. <laughs> um, so, so the big, the big thing that attracts readers to, to thrillers uh, and sometimes even horror novels uh, is a hook. So, you know, the big, the big, oh, or I didn't say that coming type moment in a novel. Um, what is, what goes into a hook? How do you, how do you, it, you know, are, are you waking up at three o'clock in the morning and it's boom, it hits you and you're like, there, there it is. Or, you know, does it, does it, does your story kind of flow into it? And then you kind of realize, okay, now I could wrap, you know, wrap it up. Uh, Hank, I'm going to start with you. Oh, wow. Uh, so I sort of discover the hooks as I'm writing. Uh, um, you know, I mentioned I like, I don't really like to plan much. So, so um, basically I'll, I'll, sometimes it might even be in the second draft and um, I'll, I'll realize, Hey, what if, what if this character, you know, wasn't who they said they were, or what if this character did this instead? And, and that's usually how they start for me. Just the, the what if question and um usually i just kind of sit with it for a while and um before i know it i've i've, I've developed it i don't i don't know that's sort of the mysterious part i usually start with a what if question and then like a week later suddenly that question's been answered in my subconscious i guess and then i know what's going to happen and I, and that's what i enjoy i enjoy those what if questions and, and being surprising myself a little bit um but yeah, I, I think they come very, very organically for me and never just like at one moment. Uh, the question sort of comes first and then over time I start to see see the answer. And maybe that's why it takes me a while to to finish finish projects too, because it, it takes me a while to figure out where they're going. Anybody else want to take that on? I mean, it, yeah, it, I'm working from a long outline 
but the the you know the synopsis long outline ends up kind of for me being like the first draft and and as i'm writing it i'm getting those those flashes of inspiration that change the story that forced me to change the outline in the in the writing of the of the book and and usually something that's a hook or a twist or or an unexpected moment comes from me looking at the outline and and wanting to write this scene and thinking that no that's not good enough right that's that's been done and and trying to subvert my own um inclinations to follow to follow genre tropes and 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 do something that's uh that's surprising to to me and hopefully a reader too i feel like hooks for me are the easy part i i feel like i'm always getting ideas um that then the harder part is you know developing hey it's a um, <laughs> developing it into a book. Um, yeah. But I feel like I get like, inundated with, um, you know, what if this, what if that, what if, you know, and it's, and I get a lot, <coughs> I feel like I have a lot more ideas for hooks than I do for the follow through for the actual book. You know what I mean? Or it's a hook that's not really in my genre. And I'm like, I can't, somebody else is going to have to write that. Just going to put that to the side, maybe give it yeah. to somebody and be like, hey, run with us. Yeah, but I definitely, I definitely get those at 3 a.m. Yeah. Or when I've had a lot to drink. <laughs> yeah. See, I was going to ask about 3 a.m. because uh, we had a horror panel yesterday and you know, that that is a, you know, Andy Davidson was talking about, it. it's kind of like a witching hour almost that if you're, you're awake at that moment in time, your brain does something where everything just kind of hits it at, at, at a moment and you, it's almost like insomnia and you can't go back to sleep. And so your mind's just running through everything for that day. And I think, I feel like that's sometimes where, where my ideas come in and I, and I'm kind of the same with you. I've got, you know, all these hooks written down or all these ideas. And I just, I, I haven't gotten to the stage where I know how to wrap, wrap it in a bow. Um, you know, I, I've, I've got a couple of, you know, chapter outlines written out or maybe even a first chapter and I just go, where in the world am I going to go from here? Cause I'm like, I've almost like told the whole story and now I'm like, well now I'm going to put some filler in it. Um, but yeah. And John, John, what about you? I was just about to ask actually, do any of you guys dream any of your plots or any of your characters? Because the book that I'm working on at the moment totally came to me literally in a dream. And I woke up and just typed that into my phone as quickly as I could. Otherwise I just wouldn't remember it. And it set up pretty much the first three quarters of a book that I'm, as I say, that I'm working on now. I just wondered if any of you guys had the similar kind of thing or you've dreamt any characters that you've ended up using with plot lines? I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish too. I don't, I don't think so. Not that directly, at least. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't dream any of my characters, but I do, I do have those moments where I wake up at three in the morning with, with an answer to a problem that I was having before. Yeah. So even though I'm not consciously sort of, you know, it's not a dream that I'm remembering. My subconscious is, is figuring out these things, you know, during sleep, which is why I keep a, a Moleskine notebook next to my pretentious, shitty, expensive notebook next to my bed. Because uh, uh, because it, it, if I wake up at 3 a.m. with the idea and I don't write it down, when I go back to sleep and I get up again at 7 a.m., it'll be gone. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What about you, Josh? Well, in terms of like the hooks, I it feels like like uh, 
it's it, it's like music it's being like being in a band for me it's like it's hard to explain i just i just feel like i know that that this is a good chorus i just know that this is like you know this is uh i know that we could build a whole song around this musical idea like right now i have a <clears throat> it's just a small idea but it's half the house is haunted only half <laughs> and i know that that i know that's a hook i don't know why i know that but i know it is it is. I know that. I know that. Like, you know. So, does that mean upstairs, or upstairs or downstairs? Does that mean the front half or the back half? Or does it mean like this spot is not haunted, but the next step is, and the next step is not, and the next step is? You know, like. But how half the house is haunted? Maybe it opens with a ghost hunter getting an email. Hey, check out this address. Half the house is haunted. <laughs> you know? And it's like I don't know why I sold, <laughs> but it is. And the same thing with music. You know, you just know like. Oh yeah, that we I could dance to that or something. Well, I think part of it too is that you can sort of intuit that there are characters you can build into this hook. Characters that you know that you could write or that somehow you have a connection yeah. with. And that it kind of can all build from that. Um, that it's not just a great idea, but it's this whole full rich um, playground for you. Well, that's interesting. Emily, that's super interesting because it's like, it's not just a good idea, it's a good idea for you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's, I don't think I've ever really looked at it that way before. And that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, I focus less on hooks than theme. Like I'm, I'm really theme driven. And so when Josh, you're talking about this, this hook of, of half the house being haunted, maybe upstairs, downstairs, my mind immediately goes to, um, to class structure. How would you tell Downton Abbey as a haunted house novel? Right, That's where where part of the house is a different is an entirely different sort of social strata than another because of divisions between living and unliving, and 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 so that's where I would have taken that idea and run was oh. it would be the theme of of class strife, um, but uh, uh, such a cool such a cool concept. Mm -hmm. Open Josh wrote a novel right now. Yeah, I know. Five hundredth novel. <laughs> 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 but I was, thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking the basement would be the only safe place because whenever you think of a horror novel, the basement's the last place you want to go. <laughs> um, it's a question uh, from the from the audience. Uh, do you think pacing is particularly important oh, yeah. for writing thrillers, and how do you make sure your pacing is right? Get a really good editor. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Right? No kidding. I, I I wouldn't have known that until until experiencing that myself for sure. The rough draft of Bird Box was twice as long as what eventually came out. Um, it wasn't, it doesn't even resemble, the pace doesn't even resemble, well, I mean, it kind of does. It would be like the band was playing a good song poorly. And then the editor was like, no, 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 here, now I'm going to get you guys in shape. Yeah, for sure. That's the biggest thing that I've discovered with a thriller is, is the pacing. Um, and I don't think I would have really noticed that on my own before starting to write. Is that like, um, <clears throat> like okay, let's take Bird Box because I can relate to it, I guess. Is that I thought for sure, and I still look at it that way, that I was writing a, just a horror novel. There's these monsters and I can't look at them at all, okay. But then when HarperCollins picked it up, and I understand there's, there's a, an advantage to shopping something or selling it as a thriller, I, I understand. But they were, all of a sudden everyone's talking about this book like it's a thriller. And I'm like, thriller, like I'm thinking of like Robert Ludlum and stuff. I'm like, this, this isn't a thriller, dude, you know? This isn't like Air Force One or whatever, you know? 
and, and then I started to understand like, oh, it's the it's the clock in this book. It's yeah. the, that she's got to get from here to there. It's the it's the rhythm behind it, the through the whole book. And so that beat behind a novel, and I and I feel like I, I'm always writing to a drummer, always writing to a drummer, which can be dangerous because if the drummer was playing jazz during the rough draft, which seems like often is the case, <laughs> you come back and you're like, the fuck is this? <laughs> but I think that that thing, um, almost any genre, it can, it can be draped with any genre, that beat. So that way, that way, thriller is pretty varied or can be varied. It's anything with that, that ticking clock to it. Hmm. Hmm. You know, it's, it's tough because thriller ends up being sort of a catch-all, a commercial catch-all. There are people who are writing horror novels, straight up horror novels that, that are marketed as thrillers um, yep. because the industry is often um, a little gun shy about horror novels because there are, there are so many people out there who are like, oh, I don't read horror. I love Stephen King. But I don't read horror, and 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 you know the again, it's it's this sort of permeability between literary and genre, and that and that so much of of um, you know sort of what's published as a thriller is really a horror novel, or it's really something else. But this is the really marketable term, and so um, and so it's it's kind of they're really good helping. Those terms are really good helping readers find books they want to read. But as a writer, I find them, are, you know, really limiting. I mean, I don't necessarily like to think of myself as a thriller writer or a horror writer or whatever. But, um, but this is the category that my agent, my and my publishers put me in, um, because it's the one that helps readers find my my work. Um, to answer the question that was asked, pacing is the most important thing in a thriller, right? I mean, there's there's character you have to care about someone's failure or success, right? If I can't engage with with a character in a book. Um, and care whether or not they live or die or, or get what they want or fail, um, then I'm not going to finish that book. But that for me is the, is the thing that grabs you. And then it's the pacing that, that runs along, like how, how much reward um, is there or how much you know, frustration is there in watching these people try to, uh, try to achieve their goals and fall short. Um, and, if it's, you know, and if it's sort of dragging along, uh, it's going to lose me. Have y'all found that, I have found that it's almost as if um, thriller writers or suspense or mystery that, that um, we are being asked to pace our chapters and kind of the beats faster and faster and faster. Yeah. Like even within like the last five years, I feel like, um, there's more of this expectation to just like jump into the wild river and like let your characters be swept. No offense with the um, bird box. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just feels like there's a lot of pressure to go faster and faster. Um, I know. And I don't relate to any of that stuff. I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like none of us fully relate to what you're saying right now. I'm, I just like it, it's almost shocking to let to let it breathe. Like yeah. I'll, I'll, anytime I see like it, it's a slow burn. Anytime I see that, I'm like, oh, that's some, what's that one? Me that's too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pacing has moments where it has to breathe and has to slow down, and right. it's not just action, action, action. I don't usually enjoy books like that, but I, I will say that that 
I'm so much a writer who does breathe and, and take time that one of the things that has helped me is having a, a good friend who, who reads for me a lot. He's a young adult writer, uh, Kurt Dynan. Um, he, he's constantly, every time he reads for me, he would say, I need something to happen soon. I need something to happen soon. And, and for a while I would, in my mind, I would say something is happening. And, but, but I started to realize that he needed something interesting to happen soon. And now whenever I write that voice is in my head, he doesn't even really, we don't read each other's stuff much anymore. We're too busy, but uh, his voice is always in my head. I need something to happen soon. And that has helped me kind of keep up with what Emily's talking about, because I'm definitely a let it breathe, um, enjoy the moment, the scene kind of, kind of writer, but I try to also keep the audience and the editors in mind too, and, and, and keep things interesting and moving and something happening. Yeah. You, you know, one of my favorite books the last, uh, oh, geez, I don't know, the last 10 years was, uh, was Wolf and White Van by John Darnielle, another, uh, another uh, singer writer. Yeah. Right? And uh, I think he's, it, it's the mountain goats, right? He sings for the mountain goats. Yeah. yeah. He's a beautiful writer and the pacing in that book is so amazing, but it's not an action book. It's this really slow burn, uh, deliberate story about, about a, a broken person and their experiences with, um, with, uh, with sort of remote role playing gaming and, yeah. and, oh, and, and it's life in isolation, but it's paced so perfectly because every time you're starting to feel a little hungry for more explanation or more understanding of who this person is and why they are the way they are. Uh, he gives it to you. And it's, and it's just, like I said, it's, it, there's not a car chase. There's not an explosion. There's not a single fist fight in it, but it's a perfectly paced novel. And it just had me like, it just, uh, I've read it. I've read it three times. Uh, and what was every, the title of that again? The title of that book is called Wolf in White Van. It's by John Darnielle, who's the lead singer for the, for the mountain goats. And it's, uh, it's an amazing book. John, any thoughts? I'm, I'm fortunate. I get to write for two different publishers over here. So for Thomas and Mercer, I get to write psychological fiction. And for Penguin, I get to write psychological fiction. They call it over here. I don't know what to call it over there, but like with a sci-fi twist. So kind of slightly futuristic, you know, five minutes in the future style things. So for the, the slightly straightforward psychological thrillers, I kind of go for a more slow burn approach and gradually build up and build up. And then there comes a point where you hit the reader with something. And from then on, you kind of just going towards the end and, and hopefully kind of quite a much, a much more rapid rate. But for the psychological thrillers, I kind of, with the, sorry, with the sci-fi twist, I kind of try and go for a lot of twists in your face, get going straight away and just keep going. And it's, I'm really lucky that my kind of readers have stuck with me through both genres because um, it would be very easy, I think, for someone who likes one to just not explore the other one whatsoever. But I, I've been really fortunate so far with that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the ideal career, right, is the one like Joe Lansdale, where where Joe writes a book and it's a, and it's a Western this time and everybody's mm -hmm. with him because he's Joe. Yeah. yeah. Next time it's, you know, it's a crime thriller and the next time it's a comedy novel. And 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 Joe's yeah. career is Joe Lansdale is the writer. And if you're a fan of his, yeah. you're a fan of his no matter what he does, because he's so good at everything. Yeah, that's the ideal. That's the ideal. Right. Yeah. And see, I and, and I know, uh, what was that? I don't know whether you've read any uh, read guys read much by the Irish writer John Boyne. I find he's very much like that. I think I will read anything by him, whatever genre he's going to write. He does a lot of historical fiction, a lot of presence. Um, I, I think he's amazing. 
Hmm. See, uh, y'all had mentioned Stephen Graham Jones earlier, and I feel like he's started to kind of become that for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's pretty much anything he releases, like I'm automatically on top of it. I mean, The Only Good Indians is probably the best novel I've read in the past couple of years. And uh, I just got his uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw. Uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like it's, it's automatic moves to the top, no matter what I'm reading at the moment. Um, and, and they're all, they're always different. Uh, and I feel like, you know, that that's an, he's another one of those types. I mean, he wrote, you know, a werewolf novel a couple years ago, and then it was followed up by you know the only good Indians. And then it was, he wrote a novella that was a slasher. You know, it was just a, it was a nod to the 80 slash films. And then, you know, now this one, I'm just not going to spoil it, but, uh, but it's really good so far. So, um, but but yeah, it, but going back to the whole, everybody's wanting it faster and faster and faster. I think that's just kind of the way. I mean, at least in the states, everybody just wants everything immediately. Everything has to be right there. I want it as quick as possible. It's 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 an immediacy thing, and I feel like you know people are just so used to convenience now that uh, that you know you better hit me with something in the next five minutes, or I'm I'm turning it off and going to something else. Well, that- uh, that could feel like you're being like pandered to, you know, I, remember <laughs> I, was, I was blurbing a book and Allison, um, she was like, how is it? And I was like, it's too thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking Great about? Too thrilling. <laughs> too thrilling. It's, it's like from the word, like it's too much. <laughs> and see, and see, I'm, I'm with some of the audience and with Hank, I, you know, I love a slow burn. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I've never really enjoyed like the espionage thrillers where it's just explosions everywhere and high speed chases and all that stuff. It's, I'll watch a movie with that. I mean, I'll, I won't hundred percent pay attention to it, but I mean, it's, it's fun watching stuff explode every now and then, but I don't really enjoy reading it. I enjoy, you know, getting, getting to maybe 80, 85% of the book because I know something's coming. And then hopefully the reveal is, is, you know, as good as it feels hyped up to be. Uh, but just that, that whole, everything, something's going to happen every five minutes just doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me because I feel like I can, I can engage more if I'm interested in the main character that's introduced at the beginning of the story. So I kind of feel over here in the UK that things have changed a little bit since the first lockdown. So we're on our what third lockdown now in 10, 11 months. And a lot of people seem to be shifting genres in what they read and they, they're not necessarily looking for anything fast and in your face. They're quite happy to more go for, to, to go more for slow burn reads and, um, and be a little bit, almost a little bit more experimental because they've got that time on their hands now. Yeah. I noticed that too. I, I, I can't remember who I was talking to about. Oh, my manager, Ryan, we were talking about how now more than ever, it seems like people are more interested in refreshing or experimental or elastic than, than at any time before. I think some of it, I've found that some people that I know and, and book forums that I'm a member of, some of it is because they just don't, they, they don't have the concentration span for the books that they used to have. For whatever reason, um, I, I, even with box sets, I think you get to a certain point where you've been in this lockdown where you can't do very much for a very long period of time and going out and the things that used to satisfy you don't anymore. So therefore you're, you're willing to go out and just try and throw yourself into, into more things. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Wow. You know, it's, it's funny because I think it's I think it's, it might be cyclical too. Like when when you think about it, um, you know, when when James M. Cain was writing, uh, the postman always rings twice, right? That that book today wouldn't be uh, marketed as a novel; it'd be a novella because it's so short and so direct, and and it just sort of drives, right? 
Uh, right now, I'm rereading The Exorcist. Emily, you mentioned it earlier. I'm rereading The Exorcist for a, a panel I'm going to be on in a couple of weeks. And this book is so deliberately paced and so slow paced and so full of characters um, trying to uh, talk through their ideas instead of act right. you know, on their impulses. And, uh, and I, I'm not sure that you could publish The Exorcist like that at yeah. this exact moment. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe in another 20 years, we'll see another shift where it where it comes around and or maybe even just now, John, like you're saying in, in England, um, you know, readers are going to want something that's more that's more deliberate and thoughtful and, and internal than than external. And but uh, yeah, I mean, in the 40s, let's go, go, go in the 60s, you know, relax a little. And now we're back here with, um, you know, I mean, I, all my books start in media res because that's what my what my editors like is, is you know, the first page of the gunshot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So um, I'm sure all of y'all, you know, on top of being writers are also avid readers. So so what are some books in your genres over the years that have left their marks? So obviously we have, you know, Wolf and the White Band, but what are, what are some others that, uh, you know, you kind of keep coming back to or, you know, just are always kind of sitting back there going, if I'm going to recommend a book, it's going to be that one. <clears throat> um, with thrillers, <laughs> I'd like to feel that question, Your Honor. Strangers <laughs> um, on a Train, man, is, is one, and was one of Patricia Highsmith is, is, was, is like the all-time thriller for me. Where, like, I mean, I literally can remember, like, like feeling, like, Electrified, you know, getting through that book. Have you guys, have anyone here read it? Strangers on a Train. No, I've read and yeah. So good, man. The the idea, the the execution, the everything about it is just so good. Um, just in terms of thrillers, that that one's long standing. You know, my one of my favorites. Next, oh, I, you know, anything by my. Uh, at the moment, my my sort of spirit guide is is Gillian Flynn. Anything she does is amazing, and I know she's doing more um, TV and movies now. But like Gone Girl is this book that I it's fully in the category of things I wish I had written that I was yeah. good enough to have come up with, right? Because uh, that book is so perfect in every way, from from you know pacing and the twist and the and the and the hook at the beginning and 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 how off the rails it goes in the end. Jillian uh, Flynn is just uh, uh, she just every I, every time I reread one of her books, um, I'm I just see something new and I'm like, oh, how did you do that? Like, yeah, I agree. The yeah, Gone, Gone Girl was it, it just I don't know. It just it it kept grabbing you as you as you got further into it. Uh, you know, it's just it, you you kind of never wanted it to end. You're like, all right, what's the next? What's the next thing? <laughs> we're so awful, and they went through so much. You kind of want it to end just as a mercy. But yeah, you're right. You never. Yeah. End. <laughs> what about you, John? I'm a, I kind of go for. I'm quite a fan of like modern um, modern thrillers and uh, and. Um, just looking at my bookshelf here and just like the ones that I really like. Um, I'm a big fan of Pete Swanson and the kind work of Killing, the first book of his I ever read. Um, and he had the balls to do something halfway through that form, halfway through that book that was like, oh, okay, this is a bit of a game changer, which I loved. 
and a Gone Girl. I'm totally with you on that, Bracken. I think it's absolutely an amazing book. I mentioned like John Boyne, big fan of his at the moment. So I'm reading pretty much everything he's done. At the same time, looking at my little bookshelves here. Um, and there's a British writer called um, Cara Hunter. I don't really go necessarily for um, detective kind of um, thrillers, but she's amazing. She's like on her fifth now, and she's very, very big over here. And it's just about to become a TV series. So I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, more kind of a modern, modern fiction. Fan. What about you, Emily? Oh, I have a lot. Um, Rebecca <clears throat> by Daphne du Maurier is like my... Perfect. But um, I think the thing, the book that I always go back um, and, and think it was kind of a touchstone for me as a kid, I read um, it's Lois Duncan, Down a Dark Hall. She writes these YA horror novels. I know what you yeah. did in the summer. And oh, okay, yeah. it was the spookiest book. I loved it. It was about these, you know, girls that went to this boarding school and they became, you know, these accomplished artists and writers and musicians. And then you come to find out that the, the administration, the faculty of the school is like doing these kind of weird magical rites to possess them with these, um, the, the souls of these famous musicians and artists so they can like finish their life's work. It was amazing. I, I just ordered that book on eBay. Like I have it. I actually want to find it. I just got it. <laughs> and they made a movie of it recently, which wasn't my favorite. It didn't quite live up to, you know, what I had imagined in my, in my kid mind. But um, to me, it was like the perfect blend of that kind of um it's horror and thriller, and then it's got the the sort of paranormal element to it that I'm always trying to bring into my books, and my editors always like, no, no, <laughs> that's too magical. We got, you know, we can't. Yeah, I'm always trying to bring a ghost, and you know. With the, I just on the Lois Duncan real quick. Um, so I don't teach I don't teach English anymore. I teach social studies now, but I used to teach seventh grade English and had a classroom library. Yeah. It had tons of Lois Duncan and those books used to be so popular among my students. So they, they ate those up. Yeah. Um, she, yeah. She's a great one. Uh, yeah. But as far as uh, for me, um, the uh, if I'm thinking thriller, um, my, my favorite and I, I don't Heck, I don't know if this is thriller or not, but James Lee Burke is a huge, huge influence on me in terms of my my writing. And um, so I guess he would be thriller of um, uh, Megan Abbott. I, I really enjoy her her thrillers, I guess. Again, I guess you'd call them thrillers. They're a little bit quieter to me, a little bit more family kind of oriented, uh, not as in like family as the audience, but they're about <laughs> families. Um and I, I just want to mention this book because I thought about it when we were talking about slow burn and I was going to say something about them, but I didn't, I didn't. Um, has anybody read the, uh, the Loney? Um, Dude, I almost brought it up. Yes. That, that book yeah. blew me away and it was blew me away, a slow burn. Uh, yeah. I still don't know what, what happened. That is yeah. the best example. Uh, oh, uh, Andrew uh, Hurley, Michael Hurley. Yeah, he has a new one out now. Yeah, I haven't picked it up yet, but I'm I'm going to. That 
That was yeah, man, the Loney is like the best example of the slow burn that's still like so thrilling. Yeah. yeah. So you can still do it. I don't know how successful that book's been, but it's it sure did grab my attention. So love that book. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. See one one that's very uh, hot and cold depending on the reader uh, that I, I absolutely loved was I'm thinking of ending things by Ian Reed. I don't know if yeah, you all read that. that so I, I read that I read that book because I had seen such mixed reviews, even though so many people had read it, and I, I was blown away. I mean, I read it in like a couple hours. I mean, it's pretty short. Uh, I was okay with the with the adaptation. Yeah. It, it kind of threw me toward the it. end, but. Uh, it, it it lived up you know pretty well to it, but yeah, I, I read it on vacation when you're just it was absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, it's like I said, it's not for everybody. Yeah, no, that was a book. The minute I finished that book, I turned back to page one and started reading it again. Yeah, the, the ending of that book blew my mind so much. I wanted to see how it played out throughout the course of the book, um, and and I and I wasn't and I wasn't uh, willing to trust myself to do that in reflection. I just had to experience it a second time. I gotcha. Um, so as far, as far as the genre goes, what would y'all like to see more or less of? That's <laughs> something people. It's so much fun. <laughs> you know, it's such an interesting question because, you know, people, people's, um, you know, there's such a wide range of, of reader. And, and so, you know, kind of what I want to see more of is um, if, if I want to see more of something, that's usually what I'm writing because because I'm not getting enough of it, right? It's that it's that um, um, thing, and I and I just forgot who it was. It's not my Angelou. It's uh, bah, 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 bah. oh, I'll think of it. Anyways, uh, you know, if 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 you're looking for a book and you can't find it, that's the one you have to write, right? And 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 you know, and so what I want to see more of is people, you know, sort of writing outside of expectation or writing that thing that they've always wanted to read, but isn't there. And and that's not something that you can define, right? That's something that, that you as an individual, you go, oh, I, you know, it's been like the new book I've got coming out. It's been, it's been decades or well, not decades, because Paul did it last year. Uh, he scooped me, but uh, Paul Tremblay. But, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen a really, really good home invasion novel. I want to read that. And so that's where I went, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, I want to see more of people um, uh, doing that thing that they want to read. And I know that's tricky because it's an industry and it's a business and publishers like comfort and familiarity and proven sales. Right. But that's kind of where I'm at. I'm with you, man. I, I, I want to see like subverting expectations and just elasticity in the you know in any genre really to be honest um <clears throat> and that includes like again it comes back to like a thriller can be draped in anything anything could be a thriller depending on the drummer that you put you put uh, you put behind it um so i personally though would like to see a little less of the like have to hit the ground running two page chapter <laughs> like i was like a little like all right all right all right, all right. <laughs> This is too thrilling. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're gonna have that blurb on so many books. <laughs> too, too thrilling. We want you or the bill, is what you're saying. That's right. Josh Mallerman says it's a thriller from page one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think to see more genre mashups and um, and just blurring some lines mm-hmm. um, because that always excites me when when I feel like I I mean. I know we're supposed to be able to, you know, pitch our own books and whatever elevator pitch they say. Um, but I love it when you can't really describe what a book is. It's yeah. it's it's so yeah. many different things, and it's so unusual that when you're trying to describe it to someone, um, you can't. You're like, it's hard to. It's you know, <laughs> I, I just think that that to me is the kind of book I want to read. Yeah, I think that that's perfectly put. Um, mm-hmm. I want to read those books too that are difficult to to say what it's about. I mean, it's great to have the you know the the one sentence blurb or whatever um, to, that sums up your book, but I, I want a book that goes well beyond that and and it gets a little more complicated, uh, but 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 still entertaining. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if there was one thing I wanted to see less of, I want to see I, w- I wanted to see less of of things that get described as um, as a comparative in movie language, like it's it's the Lord of the Rings meets Star Wars. Like I don't care. I've I've seen both of those. <laughs> Red, you know, I want your story. I don't want to see uh, the Wizard of Oz meets uh, you know fried green tomatoes. Like it doesn't. Somebody's gonna write that now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Don't, you know, don't sell your book to me in cinematic terms. Yeah. Right. You, know, you say that though, but you know how many books that sells? Oh, yeah. Because, no, because no, people no. go, "Oh, I really like Game of Thrones. I'm going to read that." Yeah, yeah, but it's a common language that we all speak, and it just yeah. kind of frustrates me because I think we could do better. But it again, it's a business, right? And if yes. that's what sells books, that's what sells books. So, what is your book like? It's like nothing you've read before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's yeah, no, that is a tough sell. You're right. You're right. I take it back. <laughs> I kind of get sick of seeing books online described as with a twist you'll never see coming or anything like that. A lot of those Amazon and the Amazon blurbs, the title of it, and then with a killer twist, I'm like, okay, well, straight away you're looking after, you're looking for that twist, and you're probably going to yeah. find it. Right. I hate things like. That. I think a couple of my books there having that in there, but unfortunately, as we all know, not our decision is the publishers. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Um, now. Uh, Josh, you may be able, to be able to answer this one a little bit better, and, and Hank and Emily may be able to answer it as well. But um, are there any indie or small press thriller community, or or in the thriller community that are, are publishing beyond the boundaries? I think you know maybe one for me would be like Silver Shamrock. Um, I know they do more horror uh, than they do thrillers, but they do have a couple of thrillers like Tim Meyer's Dead Daughters. Uh, I'd put it in the thriller category uh, as kind of a smaller press. Um, but Hank, I know, like you know, like maybe Crooked Lane is a little bit smaller, maybe not quite as well known. Yeah, independent Crooked Lane, um, and they, I think they do a pretty good job of publishing uh, some different stuff. Uh, I know some of their stuff. They're they're technically a crime mystery publisher, but I think they've been publishing a lot more stuff that edges into horror and kind of blurs those boundaries, which I I really like. Um, mm. Flame Tree is pretty awesome, and they and they have and they really present it awesome too. I have like they had a sale ish recently, and I got like a gazillion Jonathan Jans yeah. books, and I, and I like, cannot believe <laughs> one. I freaking love this guy. Um, but Flame Tree is a great one for sure. I mean, yeah, no, they do okay. beautiful books. 
I, 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 I bought a bunch on that same on that same sale. Uh, you can't beat four hardcovers. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I think I think Word Horde is great at this. Um, you know, they do such interesting things with like Nadia Bulkin and and John Langan, and they're and they're publishing really daring work that um, that's kind of hard to sell to a major because it's because it's not, you know, uh, uh, the Matrix meets. Driving the <laughs> right, the Matrix meets what? I missed that one. Driving the <laughs> I love how you can say it with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Here, man. But uh, yeah, you know, I think yeah, I think Word Horde does some really great work, and that's the fun part of 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 small press is that you can take chances in small press because, um, you know, because they're not uh, they're not leveraging the entire company on on the success of this one thing so they can try it and see if it works mm -hmm. if it works mm -hmm. great you know and if it doesn't work it doesn't bankrupt you know right. and and the you know so the people there are, are have the freedom they have the you know the privilege to 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 be daring and take chances that that not everybody necessarily has yeah and i know and i know that really works a lot for like weird fiction too because that you know you see a lot of you know maybe cosmic horror and and weird fiction kind of come out of smaller presses but that do well because they have readership um but uh and, and josh i know you, you usually release um at least you know, maybe a novella or a novel with maybe a smaller press just about every year right yeah it's actually i'm looking okay i'm looking at the bookshelf and they're in order right so bird box was big five um house bottom lake was this is horror you know in indie press in the uk and in a website black man wheel big five then goblin earthling so indie Every single one is alternated. Unburied Carol, mm -hmm. Unestated Pig Inspection, Carpenter's Farm, which I did myself, I guess, but then Mallory. And it's really been incredible for me in terms of um, Big Five and and Indie is that like, I'm not just saying, I, I know I'm, I'm an agreeable guy, but like I've loved everyone I've worked with. I've very, even, even Bird Box the movie, which is like as big of producers as you can imagine, and the meetings are like, you know, like Hollywood meetings. Even all those people like are fun are great to work with. I really haven't, and I like knock on wood or whatever. I really haven't been paired with like a total dickhead yet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, all right. So I find that Trisha at Del Rey is like, I mean, Unburied Carol and Inspection are just as weird as House of Bottom Lake and and on this the day of the pig, you know. So so it's not like. I have like the, the the commercial thriller side, and then the indie press lets me get loose or something. No, oh, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're in a great spot because you can do what you you know uh, you got to do what you want. I've done you know I've done the same sort of thing, bounce back and forth between between Big Five and and indie press. So you know my first novel was a small press. Um, uh, you know my second was Tor. Uh, third novel I took to Journal Stone. You know this new book is coming out from Houghton Mifflin, and you know, and and it is. It's um, it, there are differences in between publishing with each one, and and there's something there's something good about each one. Like yeah. I, the the number of people that are behind my book in in the Big Five, like there are so many people who believe in it. And if you have an advocate in this thing, you just get um, you have such a wonderful experience with it. But at the same time, working intimately with a single person in, a, in an indie press sometimes feels um you know just really wonderfully collaborative and mm -hmm. 
um, and intimate and, and it's a lot of fun and you get, and you get more input into things like cover and, you know, and, and, and layout, although I've been lucky and, and, and the big five publishers have let me do that too. But, um, you know, but there are benefits to doing both. And yeah, I, mean, I have yet to have a really negative experience uh, on the front end of, of, of creating a book. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So uh, my last question I got for y'all, um, is there a fine line between thrillers and horror and when do you know you've crossed it? <laughs> You know, this is a perennial discussion that happens in 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 both because there you know there's a crowd of people who believe that if it's not supernatural or it doesn't have a monster, it's not horror. Mm -hmm. um, and and my answer to them is always Jack Ketchum. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think you can have horror without monsters um, because well because the monsters are people, right? And 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 this is kind of the the trajectory that that my career is taking too. And and you know, but I still like a monster tale, but. I think the you know the difference between thriller and and horror is is really uh, is really blurry. You know, it's hard to discern because there's a lot of horrific things that happen in straight up crime thrillers, mm -hmm. right? And um, and not every horror novel is sort of like a big uh, monster hunt with with secret books of lore that that banish them back to the thing. And <laughs> you know, and, and so uh, yeah, I'm, it, it, when do you know you've crossed the line? Uh, I don't know. I have when, I, when somebody tells you, you have. Know, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know when I when I find the line. Right, Wait. but I haven't been able to see it yet. Still a little blurry. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm I I feel like I know. Like if if, if what I'm working, I feel like everything I do is horror though. But someone else tells me it's not or something. But yeah. But I feel like I can tell, and I don't know why. I just know, like yeah. To me, it's more of like the spirit of a thing than it is like a, a checklist to follow. It's like I, you, you. I, I would hope that you can tell that I love horror. It's in those books or something, and like that's more spirit than it is like. Well, we got a furry monster. We've got well, we got people in distress. You know. <laughs> yeah, it feels like more of an atmosphere, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You know, horrible things can can happen to people, and not it not be horror, like it not be in that genre. Right. But you know, at the same time, I mean, you could. I think you could still have a thriller and there be a monster in it. You could just never see it. Right. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, like Bird Box. Slam <laughs> a horror novel or a or a or a, a police procedural thriller. Say it again. It's Silence of the Lambs. Uh, oh. uh, a horror novel or a police procedural thriller. Horror novel. Right. You know, I think it's it's a horror novel that that's that's dressed up in the clothes of a police procedural thriller. Yeah. yeah. It's that pervading kind of persistent sense of dread about yeah. that something really, really horrific is gonna happen that you've never imagined and it's just around the corner. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you don't feel that way in a thriller book. You just want the twists and the turns and the action. And uh, yeah, I like I, that. it's very atmospheric almost. Yeah. My thought is because that line is so blurry. That's why, you know, the companies that sell books have like the different little subgenres. So they'll say like 
thriller and then horror and they'll have like a little kind of a, a subgenre next to it so it's like it could tick any of these boxes for a reader that's looking for those uh, instead of just going this is exactly what it's going to be because i mean to be honest if you go into a bookstore say you go into a Barnes and noble uh at least the ones around here uh the horror section it's all stephen king mm -hmm. or joe hill and then there's maybe like a shelf that's got some other authors in it and i go well i know i'm not gonna go to Barnes and noble to get my horror novels because there's nothing there. I mean, I've, I've already got all the Stephen King novels. And if, I, if there's a new one that comes out, I order it. So an unfortunate element of, I think, brick and mortar bookstores these days is, you know, because the same thing happens. You go into the sci fi section of the of the bookstore and it's all uh, George R. R. Martin. Right. And, and J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. And, and there are so many great authors that are working in this, um, you know, in, in these genres that that deserve shelf space. But Barnes and Noble keeps the lights on. Mm -hmm. you know, Stephen King keeps the lights on. Right. And the same thing is true of big five publishers, you know, tentpole authors uh, are are what enable yep. smaller, lesser known writers like me to even be able to, to write a book. You know, if 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 Stephen King's a bestseller, um, that means that that publisher has enough money to to take a chance on somebody like me. Yeah. Right. You want to go in and see your book on the shelf and see it stay there. Right. You know, stay there. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. I, want, I want to point out something real fast. I was just thinking like a lot of things in this thriller horror discussion, a lot of things work for horror, but not for thriller necessarily. Like, because you could have that beat or whatever, and maybe a ghost will make it into a thriller. But I don't know if like a, a creature, a monster really makes it into a thriller. Like Bird Box, I suppose. But like you said, you never even see it. Right. Right. So I don't know. So I started thinking, like, you know, with a thriller, it's like the unknown. That, 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 but at the same time, an unknown can be horrible. Cause I mean, we were talking on the, the horror panel yesterday about fear of the unknown. That's the biggest fear. And it's like, so does it make it horror or can you just be thrilled by it? Like, you know, what, right. what is the, what is the line that, that makes it? So I'm going to, you know what? We're just going to make it one genre. We're just going to call right. it horror thriller and be done. <laughs> Good shit. Let, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. Cause I, I just I don't think that question's ever going to be answered. It's it's just one of those that it really depends on the reader or maybe the writer, you know. Because but at the same time, it really depends on the publisher, right? Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, uh, I mean, I've I'm I'm kind of out of questions. Uh, I, I feel like we've we've pretty much beaten a dead horse by this point. <laughs> um, but uh, I want to give everybody opportunity. I want to, I want to hear about what you got going on right now. You know, do you have a new release coming out? You have a recent release that uh, you want to talk a little bit about. And then for anybody that's never read you or read anything by you, uh, where's a good starting point? And Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, I actually have it right here. This just came out. A house at, a house at the bottom of a lake came out um, like a few days ago. Um, it was released a couple, a few years ago, but Delray is giving it like a wider release now. Um, I actually feel like this is a great place to start too. So that's it. That's that one. <laughs> All right, Hank. Well, I mentioned earlier uh, that I write uh, some under my real name too, which is ooh, how did I do this? Uh, John Mantooth, and this just came out in December. Uh, it's actually a re-release too. Uh, I was originally published in 2012, I think, but it's my collection of short stories. And uh, like Josh, I would say this would be a great 
place to start with my my work as well, even though I also write under Hank Early. Um, if you're interested in the difference, the Hank Early stuff tends to be more crime, uh, but still with with horror in there. And then the John Mantu stuff tends to be a little more straightforward horror. Um, what I'm working on now tends to is leaning towards more of the horror. So hopefully it'll be a John Mantooth book. Fantastic. John? Um, my book, The Minders, this is the British cover. I haven't got the American cover yet. Um, under the kind of psychological thriller with the sci-fi twist, which is always a bit of a mouthful, comes out in the States in February. Um, I've got a series based on my book, The One, which starts on Netflix in around about March time, but I've had nothing to do with it. So um, I'm quite curious as to see what's going to happen to that. Um, and my next book isn't, uh, I've just started writing it, isn't due out until spring next year. So I've got 16 month old, I've taken a, um, a break to look to, to help raise him. Um, and so I'm kind of getting back into the world of writing again. So I've gone down from what, five, six days a week down to three days a week. So I'm having to try and not disappear down those rabbit holes. <laughs> Congratulations on the baby. Uh, I, I wrote my first novel during nap times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been reading a lot and listening to a lot during nap times. <laughs> what about you, Bracken? Um, you know, so it's, it's tough. It, it, where to start with me, it depends on what you're into, because um, I try to write all over the map. I've, I've done, um, like I said, crime thrillers, uh, uh, a book called White Knight, which is just a straight up crime thriller. Uh, the Siege novel is a totally secular book. This book, um, this one's kind of my, my personal favorite of what I've done until the next one comes out. Uh, Come to Dust, which is a supernatural uh, uh, book about uh, about parenting and responsibility, and about and about getting second chances. I love that book, and and if anybody wanted to start with me, that's that's where I'd point them. Um, you know, but I also did I also did a sci-fi novel called Stranded. Um, any one of those places is a good place to start. Uh, and the next thing I've got coming out is is this home invasion novel uh, called Closing Costs. Uh, it's coming from Houghton Mifflin in July. Wow. Uh, of this year so, so if you're into if you're into that's just a, a basement scary ass basement thriller <laughs> sounds awesome dude that's a good elevator pitch so. <laughs> <laughs> does it meet, does it meet fried green tomatoes in any way? <laughs> i yeah if i were to pitch it, it would be um be willy wonka meets uh uh mm -hmm. Uh, Cape Fear. What about you, Emily? Um, so my book, my latest book, um, Reviving the Hawthorne Sisters came out last year, end of last year, um, during a great time in our national politics. And yeah, so um, it's actually a follow-up to my debut novel, um, uh, which is called Burying the Honeysuckle Girls. And both of those books are very, like, squarely in my Southern Gothic kind of um, dual timeline, 1930s, present day, um, kind of discovering secrets about the past. And um, so I think it's probably a good way to start. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about CJ Tudor's books uh, since she wasn't able to be here. So The Burning Girls is her new novel coming out in the States on February 9th. Uh, it's phenomenal. I've got a review on the blog if you want to go check it out. It actually just posted today. Um, 
And I think it's already out in the UK. I've already saw some reviews up in the UK for it. So, but if you want to know where to start with her, um, honestly, you can start with any of her books because they're all completely different from each other. But the chalk man was her debut. Uh, it's phenomenal. Stephen King like raved about it. Uh, and actually she's called the UK's female Stephen King. So if you like Stephen King, you'll like her stuff. And then her second novel is the other people, um, which is also great. I I've loved all of her novels so far. So definitely check those out. Um, as for everything else, uh, I, I want to say thank you to everybody that's tuned in. Uh, I want to thank all the panelists for being here taking the time to come talk about thrillers and rabbit holes and fried green tomatoes and <laughs> all the kinds of things. Um, just really appreciate y'all, y'all, y'all being here and, uh, and we'll definitely try to do this again next year. I'm going to try to make this an annual thing. So, um, and for everybody that's, uh, uh, watching right now, we've got another panel up coming up in about 40 minutes called sensory detail and science fiction and fantasy. So uh, stay tuned for that. And um, again, thank you all so much. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you for having me.